Anyway, so <clears throat> we're starting a new series. It's called Apologetics. Why do you believe what you believe? And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about just that. It's about defending your faith and, <clears throat> and doing it in a way that isn't like you're coming at somebody because they don't believe the same things that you do and you're just going to like shove your truth down their throat or um, just puff up your chest and say like, no, you're wrong. Like we want to know what the truth is and I'm going to try to teach you guys that a little bit this these next coming weeks, but we want to do it in a way that is helpful. Um, and we'll get to that in a little bit here. But first, I want to show you this picture. So this is Chris Hilkin, and we kind of talked about him a little bit. Um, a lot of the content that we're going to get from this series is uh, directly from him. He's been on this podcast called Dad Tired a lot lately, and he did this great series called Parents Guide to Apologetics. And it does aim some of it towards parents, but if you listen to it in the sense of like, well, I've got friends that don't know Jesus yet, and so how do I get them to make uh, faith in Jesus their own instead of me trying to, like, force it on them and then, like, they believe Jesus because, oh, well, my, my friend told me to. Like, what's really going to stick, especially when they get to college, is when they make it their own. And same for you guys, and that's why we're kind of going through it together. Is like I want you guys to make your faith your own. I don't want it to be because I've told you so. I want you to go search this stuff out yourself and find out that it's okay to dig a little deeper and find out, you know, why we believe what we believe and how we can even do that other outside of Scripture even. So <clears throat> if you want to scan this, that is the podcast. It's a five-part series called Parents Guide to Apologetics. If you don't have Spotify, you can still scan that and then it'll at least pull the link up so you have it in your browser and then you can go look it up on podcasts or whatever you use so if you want to scan that then you can listen to it later he does go into a lot of depth on stuff um, and so I'm going to try to like truncate it <laughs> as much as I can and have it be a little bit more digestible for you guys um, <clears throat> and so but I do want to talk about Chris just for a little bit so Chris is a pastor out in uh, California, and he is a pastor to 11th and 12th graders, and he works with that transition into college. So, like, he knows this stuff, and he has done it for years and years um, and has studied it well. Um, but I've talked about this a few times before. <clears throat> Just this past year, so four months after we had Everly, um, they... So they had Everly about, or we had Everly about the same time they had their baby there where she's holding her in her arms. And about four months later, uh, his wife took her own life. Um, and she had been completely healthy mentally. Like she never had any mental health issues until postpartum hit like a freight train and she didn't get sleep for 10 days straight and her brain never recovered from it. And so she took her life in a mental institute. Um, and so Chris has every reason, right, to be mad at God. Um, this woman of God that raised their children with him, um, he has every reason to be mad at God. But uh, partly because he pursued apologetics earlier and was part of his job, he had this assurance of God's existence and his goodness, and that helped him to survive. And he urged, and that even urged him more to share his findings with other people because he was like, I don't know how I would have got through this with a, if I didn't have this assurance in God that not only do I have eternal hope in Jesus, but I have present hope in Jesus. So he teaches this to people 
even though it would be incredibly hard to do so um, because it would be so easy to just be bitter and angry at God um, and just move on and be done with church, you know. Um, but he's going on podcasts and teaching all about it still. So, <clears throat> And one of the things that he says in the podcast, and it's worth noting, so I put it on the screen here, but uh, it, he essentially says the pursuit of apologetics is so much more than an emotional endeavor. It's an intellectual endeavor. You don't have to check your brain at the door to follow God. So Chris was always interested in, in the evidence and has always been a skeptic at heart. And so he started studying these things, and he had a season where he was an atheist for a little while because he went so far on that spectrum. And then he ended up coming back uh, to uh, saving faith you know, in, in Christ because he dug even deeper and found out that, oh, this isn't just like this. Uh, heart thing that like I just I feel like God is real so I know God is real it's like no it can be an intellectual thing too you can study God in his creation and see him in his creation and it's worth studying um, not to try to figure out exactly how daddy did it you know but because we're never going to figure that out scientists think they have and and they haven't um, and God just makes that more and more known every every year um, but the pursuit of apologetics is so much more than an, in, an emotional endeavor. It's an, an intellectual endeavor. You don't have to check your brain at the door to follow God. Okay, so the, the theme verse that we're going to have for this whole series is 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. Do I have that up there? I don't think I have that. Yes, I do. Sweet. Awesome. So we're just going to read that real quick. So, but even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear them or be intimidated, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and reverence, keeping a clear conscience, so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. So there's a lot in there. And again, we're, we're going to read that every week just so we can kind of, and if that's one of those that you want to memorize, I'll give you a free pop for that. I don't care. Um, if you memorize those three verses, I'll give you a free pop because it's worth knowing um, that we shouldn't be intimidated, for one, by future college professors, by close friends that believe something other than you, that have a different worldview than you. You shouldn't be intimidated by those. We should always have an answer, right? And then in verse 16 there as well, but you should do it with gentleness and reverence. All three of those things need to be true in our study of apologetics and our, our pursuit of helping our friends know who Jesus is accurately, right? Okay, so what we're going to get into today is the, the week one of that podcast, which is understanding different worldviews. So what does it mean to have a Christian worldview? Um, <clears throat> what pair of glasses do we observe our life and world through. Um, so in order to find that out, we have to answer life's big questions. So the big questions that we want to answer here real quick. Yeah, we'll, we'll rattle through these. As we go through this, we're going to hit all of these worldviews. So we have just keep going through. So naturalism, humanism, postmodernism, pantheism or, or polytheism, uh, monotheism or universalism, and then us, uh, even gen evangelical Christianity, or at least me. Um, so we're going to talk about all those just rapid fire kind of through what they believe about these four things. Life's big questions are about origin, which means like, where did we come from? 
How did we get here? Meaning, which is what is the meaning of our life? Morality. Um, that's not a great <laughs> subtitle there. What is morality? Uh, but like, what is, what is right and wrong, right? And then destiny. How does it all end? So according to our worldview, how does it all end? And we're going to go through these for, for each of these as best as we can. So <clears throat> let's go ahead and start with naturalism. And these will come back up again um, as we go through. So naturalism is the material universe is all that exists. That's their belief. The material universe is all there is. There's no higher power. There's no spiritual quality to anything. It's just we are stardust, and that's all we are. Um, a few examples of this would be you know, left-minded uh, evolutionists uh, or atheists, so people that don't believe in God, um, or extreme environmentalists, so people that just they see the world for what it is, and we have to save the world because if it... If this world blows up, then we're done, and that's it, you know? Um, and a lot of people would say, like, that's going to happen sooner than later, so we have to make all these changes right now. Um, so naturalism can go in that direction. So where did naturalism come from? Um, or where did we come from, according to naturalism, I should say? So they would say we came from stardust. Um, you know, every, everything has always existed, and it never started. Even before the Big Bang, there was something that made it get to the point where we had a Big Bang, and it just goes back and back and back and back, and there is no beginning. Um, that's how they look at the beginning. There isn't one. What is the meaning of our life? There isn't any. Uh, so it's whatever you want it to be while you're alive. You have X amount of years that you get to live, and then that's it. So what is morality? <clears throat> morality is a convenient illusion based on evolution. So anything that seems moral is just because we have learned things over time um, due to evolution and, and, you know, kind people have survived longer or something, you know, like however they want to look at that. Um, I, don't, I don't understand how you can use that as a model of finding morality, um, but that's, that's how they look at that. And then what is our destiny? When you die, <clears throat> and I had some fun with this, so don't feel like you have to write this all down. So when, when you die, your heart stops beating and you, your matter eventually decomposes, contributing to your ecosystem. And eventually the sun will explode at the random, and the random chance miracle of life will cease to exist until it happens again by accident. <laughs> so they, they believe that everything we have here all the intellectual people that are talking about this right now, and I'm using a, a wireless microphone that we invented with our brains, uh, all of that happened by chance. Um, and it was just over lots and lots of time that we just, we came to this, this place that we're at right now. Um, and at some point, you know, maybe it'll happen again. We'll see. Uh, but soon, sooner than later, the sun's going to explode, and this is all going to be forgotten, and that's it. That's existentialism, which is fun to think about. Um, <clears throat> but humanism, let's, let's move on to that. So it's similar but different. Humanism tells us that uh, humanity and, and social structure develop what's right and wrong. So we see this especially in uh, our culture here in America. A lot of times they'll come up with uh, their own manifesto, their own rules, and it almost feels like a religion, right? And if you don't follow those rules, then you're out of the group. Um, and so humanism can kind of get in that mindset from time to time. So 
who falls into this? Examples would be uh, left-minded evolutionists, again, atheists, people who don't believe in God, and then like social gospel or people that um, would base their their morality off of uh, just developing based on your so- your society, um, and it's different based on whatever society you're in. Um, so real quick, just going through that again, it's where did we come from? Same thing, stardust. Everything has always existed, never started. But what is the meaning of your life? Live life to the fullest. Treat people well and don't harm anyone. That doesn't sound bad, right? That's kind of what you hear from a lot of your friends. It's like as long as it's not hurting anybody, I don't understand why we care so much about, you know, the right and wrong and all of this stuff. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, so that would be their, their meaning of life would just be live life to the fullest, treat people well, don't harm anybody. And then you're probably doing right. So it's uh, almost the same thing with morality then. Morality is constantly changing based on your given society's current consensus. So whatever uh, the people around you think is right and wrong at that point in time is what's right and wrong. Um, and you have to follow those rules or else you're, you're done for. <laughs> and those rules are constantly changing, so you better keep up on them. And then what is your destiny? Leave a good legacy because when you're dead, that's it. That's it. Um, so there's certain, like I said, there's certain social doctrine that are being developed out of humanism in America especially. So you look at kind of like the BLM manifesto where there's some really good stuff in there. And then if you dig a little bit deeper, it's like, well, I don't know if that falls biblically under what we would believe. Um, but that's their manifesto. So if you want to be a part of that, you have to follow that to the letter. Uh, another thing would be just really left-wing politics, really right-wing politics. You have to follow their rules. You have to follow their platform or you're out of the group. So that's kind of what humanism gets into at its worst. Um, and again, a lot of it is actually borrowed from Christian doctrine. And we'll, Matt will actually get into that later when we talk about morality um, in apologetics here. But uh, yeah, a lot of what they believe is actually borrowed from Christianity. <laughs> if you go down the BLM manifesto, the Black Lives Matter manifesto, Again, a lot of that's really great, and a lot of it is scriptural. But then you look at some of it, and it's like, well, I don't know if that lines up with scripture. So you kind of have to dig into that for yourself. And now I even looked on their website, and it's gone now, so I don't know how to find that. Um, <clears throat> but postmodernism. This is a fun one. Um, so essentially, there is no absolute or objective truth. There's no such thing as truth. Truth is determined by the lens you personally developed yourself. So examples of this would be agnostics or people that believe that there is a God, but that he kind of just like set stuff in motion, then like peaced out and God is no longer part of anything. Um, that's like essentially what an agnostic is, or there's no way of knowing uh, if there is a God or what he's doing or, or why anything is the way it is. Um, so they just kind of just throw their hands up in the air. <laughs> Along with this would fall like atheists or universalists or think universalists think that like anybody can get to heaven and that we're all just going for the same thing and it's just kind of following whatever you think is right. And then like coexist. Have you ever seen like a coexist bumper sticker, something like that? So like that's they would fall into postmodernism a little bit. Um, so where did, where did we come from according to postmodernism? You decide. And, I, and again, I kind of had fun with these. But postmodernism is kind of like just there's no truth. So uh, where did we come from? You decide. What is the meaning of your life? Uh, do, do what makes you feel good. And then what is morality? It's all relative. You know, it's whatever, man, whatever you think. 
Um, and as long as it's, well, and some of them would say as long as it's not hurting people, but then they're kind of blending into humanism, right? And a lot of this stuff kind of blends together and it gets really confusing. Um, but so it's all relative with, with the morality part of it. And then what is your destiny? I don't know. You tell me. Um, <laughs> so it's just, it's, it's really kind of up to the person, essentially, is what postmodernism is, that they kind of are making it up as they go. And there is no truth because it's all based on your lens. So something I want to talk about that is they just have this, this refusal to claim to have the answers. Did any of you guys remember the blue dress that went around the Internet a while ago? It was like blue and black. Here it is right here. So no, go back, go back. So here's the, here's the blue and black dress, right? To me, it is blue and black. Does anybody see gold and white? Anybody? Still? still. Okay. So a lot of people will use this as like, Oh, it's all it's all to your perspective or whatever. And like, so they've if you go look at this dress today in a different light, because it's all about the lighting, if you go look at this dress today, it is a black and blue dress. And you can see it in this next picture. So if you look in the dark there, that's this right there. That's not blue. Oh my goodness, you guys are crazy. Anybody does anyone still see black and gold there? Oh, my word. I see black and blue. So <laughs> I thought this was already decided, but okay, I guess it's not. So that's kind of essentially what, what postmodernism would be like, though, is, all right, essentially there is a truth here, right? There, there are dyes that go into that dress that make that color. Those dyes were designed to be that color, you know, and the way that our brains work and the way that our, our eyes work, um, some people are able to adjust to low light a little better than other people. And so it, that kind of determines how you see this. And so, but the, at the end of the day, it's either blue and black or it's gold and white. It can't be both and, and it can't be something different. Some people say they see green and orange. Does anyone see green and orange? Please don't tell me. It's, okay, good. Some people saw green and orange, which is crazy to me. Um, <clears throat> but that's kind of what like postmodernism says. It's like there's no way of really knowing what truth is because it's all based on your perspective. And they really would use this as, as proof for that. Um, so before we go too far into that again, I would love to talk more about some of this stuff, but we got to keep wrapping, wrapping this up here. So pantheism, polytheism. Essentially, everything is spiritual. This, this one gets a little bit wonky, so just bear with me. Everything is spiritual. The material world is an illusion. <laughs> um, it, it, really, the only reality is what's not in front of you. There's spiritual things at work, and that is true. There are spiritual things at work that we are not aware of, um, but they would say that that's really the only thing that matters and that you need to pursue that and, and find that higher level of um, understanding um, so examples of this, and, and I threw polytheism into that as well, because a lot of pantheists worship a lot of gods, and it just kind of all blends together. So <clears throat> examples of that would be ancient Greeks. So you see, like, you know, Zeus and, and uh, that whole pantheon of, of, of gods up there in, on Mount Olympus. Um, then you have Hinduism, who they would, if you went and were a, a missionary to a Hinduism uh, a group of people that, that studied Hindu, Hinduism, uh, they would probably accept Jesus because he was just another God that they would put in their back pocket. 
um, because they just worship so many gods and they it's they they all have different purposes and so they just worship a lot of different gods and then Buddhism is just all about finding that you know that that higher level of of uh, either understanding or um, mental state um, that you can kind of get away from uh, reality as much as possible so where did it come from where did we come from according to these guys so mu- multiple gods or just some superficial spiritual explanation like reincarnation or something like that where it's just over and over and over again this is how it all started and it's how it's always going to be uh, what is the meaning of our life it would be escaping the natural world uh, pursuing nirvana or a higher consciousness or whatever. Um, that's kind of the, the meaning of life with a, a pantheist or a polytheist. Theist. Um, what is morality? It's fairly relative. Um, it's do whatever brings you nirvana or good karma. Anybody ever heard somebody say, oh, that's just, that's just karma, man. Like if you do something bad and then you get something bad thrown back at you, it's just karma. That's where they're getting this. Um, so just do whatever you have to do to get good karma because that determines how you get reincarnated in the next life or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and then, so yeah, what, what's your destiny then? Reaching nirvana or paradise or reincarnation, um, whatever that looks like. So that would be pantheism or polytheism. So this next one is where it's going to get a little bit confusing. So this is monotheism. And Christianity fits into monotheism like a square fits into like that it, a square is a rectangle, right? But a rectangle isn't a square. You guys know that? So <clears throat> that's kind of how Christianity falls into this. It doesn't really. It's kind of its own category. But technically, yes, we do worship one God. Um, but then I also threw universalism here to kind of give that a little bit more clarity. So other religions also believe in one God. Some even believe in Yahweh like we do. Examples would be universalists, who, again, that's people that believe um, it doesn't matter what God you worship, eventually we're all going to end up in heaven. Um, Catholics would fall into this um, for reasons that I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, Jewish or Islamic non-believers, um, <clears throat> because, again, there's there's just some nuances there that we'll talk about later. Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses as well. Um, they just have taken, Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses have taken scripture and gone further with it than they should. Um, and they kind of go off into areas that, that mess with the gospel, which is really the only thing that we have to keep really sacred is that, and we'll talk about that part a little bit later too. But so with monotheism and universalism, where did we come from? So we came from God or in uh, Islamic faith, it'd be Allah. Uh, Jewish faith and our faith would be Yahweh is another name for God. Um, or if you look into deep into Mormon faith, there'd be past universes that have caused other things to happen, and that's where it kind of gets weird. Um, <clears throat> then what is the meaning of your life? To bring glory to God and enjoy him forever. Oh, wait, no, what did I put here? Uh, to get to heaven. Yeah, so to get to heaven, paradise, Valhalla, etc. So Valhalla would be like if you worship Thor. Um, that's, that's where you would go. Um, <clears throat> so what is morality then? Let's put that up. Found in their given scripture. So if you look at uh, the Catholic scriptures, they have everything we have plus more. Um, and if you look at the Jewish faith, they only have the first part of what we have, which is called the Torah, or uh, the Torah, however you want to say that, um, which is like the five, first five books of the Bible. And then they have some other uh, texts as well. Islamic believers have the Quran, 
Um, and we'll get into that a little bit more of the history with that. And then uh, Mormons have everything we have, and then more as well, because Joseph Smith thought that he got a revelation here in America not that long ago, and so he just kind of started his own religion and um, told everybody that Jesus came to South America, and it got weird. Um, all love to my Mormon friends that might be listening to this podcast. Um, but <clears throat> then where did we come from? Oh, I already went through all that. Okay, so quick church history. Just going to... No, I'm skipping something else here. What am I skipping? Destiny. There we go. Where do we go? Uh, so you either go to heaven or hell. That's it. And in most of these, if not all of these, that's that's the difference. So either, you know, Hades or Valhalla, whatever the names for it are, it's all the same. You either go to heaven or hell. Um, quick church history, because I know we're already at 742 here. So if your parents are out there, go ahead. But <clears throat> so... Jews kind of started it all, right? So in the Garden of Eden, God blessed Adam and Eve, and then they messed it up, and then he chose to bless Abraham. So Abraham is the, the father of the Jewish faith, right? And then Abraham had two sons. He had Isaac and Ishmael. Ishmael was made out of wedlock, and Isaac was made in wedlock. Ishmael went uh, to go essentially away from the uh, kingdom of God and start his own thing. And that's a whole other story. Uh, but God blessed that. And uh, so you get the Islamic faith that comes from Ishmael. And then uh, Isaac is where you get the rest of the Jewish faith. Um, from there, uh, you get all the way to Jesus where Jesus establishes the early church on Peter and Paul and all the disciples' shoulders. And then Catholic faith comes in and kind of confuses everything, right? So they, they add to Scripture. They say, you know, Jesus dying on the cross wasn't enough. You also have to do these things in order to get to heaven. And they were even making people pay money to get to heaven because that's what happens when, you know, the church kind of took over the entire government and the power got to their heads and it just got... Again, it got weird. Um, anytime we get away from God's intended purpose, it gets weird. Um, <clears throat> so there's Catholic confusion, and then the Reformation happened. So this uh, Calvin came along and said, no, it needs to be only Jesus is, is the way to heaven. It's by faith in him uh, and by his sacrifice alone that we got to heaven um, because he is the sacrificial lamb. He's the perfect sacrifice that took all of our sin so that we didn't have to take that that uh, that punishment on ourselves. And so <clears throat> the Reformation happened. We kind of got a lot of our denominations that we would call Protestant dom denominations from that. Um, and then that's kind of brings us to where we're at now. Um, so you either have Catholics or you have uh, Protestants, and then Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses are kind of somewhere in the middle that doesn't really fall under that. Um, but what you need to take away from that is that Jesus plus or minus anything is no Jesus at all. And I should have put that on a slide because it's really important. Um, with all of these, Jesus plus or minus anything is nothing <laughs> at all. Uh, God kept it really simple for us. So what is our biblical worldview? So let's, let's get into that. So I would call myself an evangelical Christian or 
a born again Christian if you're from the older generation is how they used to call us. Um, and evangelical Christianity has some negative connotations in it because of how right wing politics have kind of adopted that into white evangelicalism. Um, and that's not all of us, right? <laughs> we're not all like that. Um, we're not all hateful people that um, are horrible to people. Um, and so evangelical Christianity is, it believes that God loved the world and made people in his image on purpose in order to glorify himself, which is completely different than everything else that we just heard, right? It's completely different. God made people in his image on purpose in order to glorify himself. It's not about me. It's not about what I can do, how I can get on a higher plane of consciousness, how I can get to heaven. It's about glorifying him. Do we get to heaven if we accept Jesus? Absolutely, but that's not the point. The point is once you get to heaven, you get to worship Jesus. And if Jesus isn't there, it's not worth it. So that's why we worship Jesus. So where did we come from? We came from God, the Trinity. So that means Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So God the Father, Jesus the Son, and then the Holy Spirit of God himself. That's where we came from. He started it all at the beginning. He lives outside of space and time. And so he created a finite creation that we are a part of. And then at some point, heaven and earth will collide and it will be perfect and we will live in uh, eternity with, with Christ and anyone who has accepted him forever. So what is the meaning of our life then? Again, our life is to bring glory to God and enjoy him forever. It's not about getting out of hell. It's not about getting into heaven. It's about what you do when you get to heaven. What you do when you get to heaven is that you get to enjoy God and worship him as a family together forever. That's a big deal. So what is morality then? <clears throat> morality, according to evangelical, evangelical Christianity, is that we're all sinners. We have all sinned. We all continue to sin. And the Holy Spirit helps us to be more like Jesus if we accept his sacrifice on the cross for us. Let me, let me read this whole one because apparently I added more. So we're all sinners. The Holy Spirit helps us to be more like Jesus through his written word, the Bible, if we accept his sacrifice on the cross for us. So then what is our destiny? Our destiny is eternity in heaven with God or in hell without him based on our acceptance of the gospel, based on our acceptance of what Jesus did on the cross for us. You either get to go to heaven and worship him forever or you have to go to hell and you don't get to spend eternity with him, which is a huge bummer because anyone that spent any amount of time in the presence of God was done. They just said, I am a man of unclean lips. I am not worthy to be in the presence of God. This is incredible. I've never experienced anything like this. So all those things that we talked about of, of pursuing some higher uh, understanding or whatever, like once we get to heaven, you get to see God and then it all makes sense. And there's scripture to back that. That's worth pursuing. Being in the presence of God is worth pursuing, guys. So I want to end, end us with one uh, last scripture here. So uh, Stuart and Mackenzie, if you want to come up. Um, it's John 14, 5 through 7. And we're going to read through this in, in small groups too. But reading out of the CSB, it says, <clears throat> Lord, Thomas said, 
we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So let's talk about that for a minute before we close here. The disciples were asking, how can we get there? How do we get to heaven? How will we know the way? And Jesus answers very bluntly, and he is very descriptive and makes sure that nobody is going to misinterpret this 2,000 years later. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. When you look at those articles in the Greek, it's not a way, a truth, a life. It's the. There's no other way to translate that article than the way, the truth, the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So he doubles down on it. It's like, even if they, they misinterpret that, I'm also going to double down on it and say, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Because <laughs> if, you, if you ignore that first part and then you look at this, it's like, if it wasn't that he was saying he's the Savior and that he's the Messiah, he could have said, like, no one comes to the Father except for, like, you know, guys like me and John the Baptist and all these guys that, like, know God really well. And it's like, no. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the only way. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And you might as well just say, because I am him. <laughs> I am him. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him because you spent time with him. I am him. So when we go to Scripture and we read the, lead, the red letters in Scripture, these are God's words written by the Holy Spirit through his disciples. So we can take it for truth, and we can look at this and say, okay, this is worth hanging our hat on. And I encourage you guys to do that this week. Get into the word and read it with fresh eyes because this is the living God that created absolutely everything that is telling us this stuff, especially in the red letters. Not that it makes it any more special that Jesus says it, but when you see that Jesus says something, something triggers us in us that this has got to be true because it's what Jesus says, right? It's God incarnate saying this. So trust the word. And then we're going to go even beyond that and study how he did it. And we're going to get into some of those things in the coming weeks here. But I at least wanted to nail that down with you guys that evangelical Christianity is my worldview. And if you follow Jesus, it's yours. And this is what it looks like. And this is how it lines up with everything else that people are believing. And we need to hold fast to it and not be a jerk about it. But also know, because, you know, back to that first verse, 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16, um, <clears throat> we need to be ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. If you build these relationships with your friends, they're going to want to know what's different. They're going to want to know why you are the way you are, because you've been pursuing Jesus. You've been spending time in his presence, and you're changed by it. I pray that's the truth this week. So... Let's stand up and we're going to continue worshiping him for that.